1: Hello, ladies and germs. This is Tim Ferriss, and welcome to another episode of The Tim Ferriss Show, where it is my job to tease out, distill, share the habits, routines, life lessons, belief systems, and so on of world class performers from all different domains. This episode features entrepreneur and supermodel Carly Kloss. That's two K's. You can find her on Instagram and elsewhere at Carly Karlie Kloss, K A R L I E K L O S S. Carly was discovered at a local charity fashion show at age 13, and by this point, I think she's been on 45, 50 covers, something like that. Carly's fashion career quickly took off, and she has walked for top designers, including Oscar de la Renta, Kristen Dior, Alexander McQueen, and Versace, among others. She's also starred in many major campaigns, including Adidas, or Adidas, depending on where you're listening to this, Donna Karan, Dolce & Gabbana, Dior, Calvin Klein, Carolina Herrera, if I'm getting that right, (laughs) showing my stripes here, and Swarovski, among many, many others. But I wanted to have Carly on this show, not just because of her modeling career, of course, which I think gets discounted because... Thousands, tens of thousands of women or girls come into the world of modeling and very few make it to the top and very few last a long time and very, very few still are able to translate it to other things. Outside of modeling, Carly's passion for technology led her to take coding classes. Learning to program. Inspired by coding's endless possibilities, she then launched Code with Clossy, K O D, Code with Clossy, a nonprofit that empowers young women to learn to code and become leaders in tech, which in 2018 will expand to 50 camps in 25 cities. And, uh, may go well beyond that. Time Magazine has recognized Carly for her entrepreneurship and philanthropic work on its Time 100 list. And she was also featured on the covers of Fast Company and Forbes for her work with Code with Klossy. Carly hosts Freeform's six-part series, Movie Night with Carly Kloss, and is a correspondent for the Netflix original series, Bill Nye Saves the World. And... This will come up again at the very end, but if you are interested in learning more about Carly's coding camps and application deadlines are coming soon, check out codewithclossy.com forward slash apply. That's codewithklossy, all Ks, codewithklossy.com forward slash apply. And without further ado, please enjoy this wide-ranging conversation with Carly Kloss. Carly, welcome to the show.
0: Thank you for having me, Tim.
1: I'm so thrilled to have you here. And I just want to make a few observations slash comments up front. So the first is... Uh Uh-oh,
0: this could go anywhere. I have
1: a researcher who helps me with some prep documents. I certainly do my own prep. And his his documents are usually very straightforward. Uh, He is affectionately called the Crazy Bulgarian. He's not crazy. I just thought that he should trademark that. He is from Bulgaria. And he put a note at the top of yours. He never adds notes. And the note is... So, open parentheses, note in all caps. Oh
0: my gosh. She sounds
1: like the nicest person on the planet. End parentheses. <laughs> so, um, that, that, wow, that, that. that's
0: quite the compliment. So, that caught Thank my you. attention. Thank you.
1: And uh, I should also say that I have a face made for audio. <laughs> And this is a new, relatively new experiment <gasps> no. with video. And this is the highest beauty differential that I've ever had no, on my no, show. No,
0: no, no, come on. <laughs>
1: and I'm am okay with it. So Maybe
0: height, but not the Height
1: also. So if you, if those of you who are listening through your ear holes, want to see a shiny bulbous head <laughs> gnome uh, on video, then you can find me side by side with <gasps> next Carly. to a giraffe, next which to is a me. giraffe. Yes. Uh, so I wanted to start with talking about modeling. Yes. And uh, there are a lot of beautiful people on on this planet, and there are many people who go into modeling, and there are very, very few who get to where you are. And Mm -hmm. it strikes me that there are some, it would seem, success cases of, uh, in this case, women who have gone off to build incredible businesses, like Mm -hmm. Kathy Ireland and there are others. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to... Start with asking you if, if you had, when you were getting started or even now, any role models among oh women who, or men who have, have gone from modeling to do other things.
0: I mean you you certainly mentioned one Kathy Ireland um, there's a long list you know Cindy Crawford Christy Turlington Giselle many women who are in the industry and have used their platform or voice or, or experiences uh, to build businesses or to make meaningful impact in the world in whatever way they're passionate about and like for me that is that is success and and I I don't know yeah I did not anticipate working in fashion or being a model, but I recognize somewhere along the line that there's so much more you can do with it. And the women who have come before me, uh, certainly have proved that.
1: It's, it seems like from the outside looking in that much like say entertainment, uh, the machinery of fashion beauty and so on, probably has a lot of casualties, meaning it just chews up and spits yeah. out a lot of people. There's really high It would seem to lot be of turnover. a turnover. A lot of turnover. Yeah What were some of the key decisions that you and/or your family or people like managers made that helped you to navigate to avoid some of the most common pitfalls? Maybe you could just yeah, start with like, what are, what are some of the most common mistakes and pitfalls?
0: Sure. I mean, honestly, Tim, I feel like I'm living my own version of a Cinderella story or an American dream. I mean, I have been able to travel the world and have been able to learn from the most extraordinary people. I'm sitting here with you talking. I mean, this is, I, I feel like I'm, I'm living a dream every day. And, and, you know, I certainly did not anticipate going into fashion or being a model. I, I had a very different kind of career path in mind. And, I, I, I had this opportunity and I, and I took it. What
1: was the, what was the
0: opportunity? So I was,
1: you grew up in the Midwest.
0: I grew up in the Midwest and my father's a doctor. He's an emergency room physician, one of the most hardworking people you'll ever meet and so selfless. And I have three sisters and my mom's an artist. And so I just like grew up this in, in this amazing Midwestern picturesque kind of uh, childhood, and at thirteen, I was stopped in a mall and asked if I would be interested in walking in a fashion show at the time. Not only did I not care about uh, it was it just wasn 't my life fashion i mean i didn 't even subscribe to magazines i I was focusing on school I was focusing on ballet academics and and sports and and so anyway, this idea of modeling was like totally not even in my in my um, in my mind. And so I, I didn't enter this uh, with the ambition of building a career in modeling. I, I was stopped in a mall at 13, walked in a local charity fashion show to raise money for a, a local family whose my friend's father, her, had, her dad had cancer. So it was this charity benefit. And I was, I was there were scouts there from real agencies. And they took my name and said, "Let's stay in touch." I grew a couple inches. Fast forward to when I'm 15, and how I, tall are you at 15? At 15, oh my God, Tim! I was 15 years old and 5'11. Yeah, it's painful. I'm painful, still, work, I'm, painful I'm still being 15 working years on five. Old. I'm
1: still working on five nine. I'm 40.
0: Look, I'm, I'm going to get there. I, get there. I, I believe in you. I believe in you. <laughs> um, and so, anyway, so I was 15 years old, and I got this. Opportunity to go to New York for the weekend and uh, meet the designers of of Calvin Klein, and and they booked me, and and I walked in their fashion show, and it completely kind of put me on the map as a new up and coming model, and I and it just was, it's been a wild ride ever since, ever since that that day in the mall when I was um, stopped.
1: What are the what are the traps? Like what are the common? Hit falls. I mean, the things that, having grown up on on Long Island, and uh, for instance, I mean, I grew up at the very end of Long Island where there are actually a lot of drug problems. Yeah. And uh, not saying that it's drugs, although I suspect that could be a piece yeah, of it. But like, where where do people
0: get off of, track
1: or make mistakes?
0: Sure. I mean, I think there's a lot of misconceptions, and I think there's a lot of generalizations around around the fashion industry, around the modeling industry. And, um, you know, I can only speak to my experience, but I've had just a really positive experience as a model. I've, like I said, it's been my key to the world. I've been able to travel the world. I have more frequent flyer miles than most CEOs. And I'm, you know, I've been able to see the world and, um, and learn so much, learn from so many brilliant people. And so, you know, I've, used it to my advantage, I think that there are aspects of the industry that are really challenging. I think a lot of people tell you no, a lot of people, there's a lot of, um, there, there's a lot of competition, there's a, like you said, I mean, there's so many beautiful people, there's a lot of luck, and, and I feel like for me, you know, in my Cinderella story, I feel like I was in the right place at the right time, and I had this window of opportunity, and I ran for it. And I have an amazing family who was by my side every step of the way. I mean, starting a career at fifteen is—I think there's there's pitfalls to that, just mm-hmm. the nature of being fifteen and and having a lot of pressure on you. So, for me, I had a lot of luck and the right people around me, and I think a lot of young women who want to go into modeling or work in fashion—that's um, th- not always the case.
1: How uh, how did your family help you in terms of rules and policies? And the reason I ask this is it seemed like they were quite strict when it came to high school homework and so on. So I was doing some reading prior to this, and a a day might look like a seven a.m. flight to New York to do some type of shoot for five a.m. flight, five a.m. flight. (laughs) They get international coverage, and then you fly back. And you're doing homework at 7 p.m. and so on. Yes. What were, what were some of the parameters, rules, policies, anything like that that your, that your parents had to help? Keep you on track because this yeah. this relates to something that has popped up a few times on this podcast that I think is really important. So yeah. could you could you speak to that?
0: Sure. I you know I had this kind of double life. I was 15 years old and very much figuring out who I am, what you know, in high school. I mean, you're figuring out a lot of things, and I like I said, I was a five foot eleven, 15 year old, so that came with its own set of challenges. But I i don 't know I guess i um, I had this double life, and I would be in school, have a very normal day in class, sitting in the school lunchroom with my friends with my peers, and then I would get on a flight to Paris or New York a couple days a week. I really had this full time job, even as as a freshman in high school, so I had this double life, and it was before social media, so none of my friends or teachers really knew to the extent of what I was doing. So I would go to Paris and walk in a couture runway show or be in, be the face of the Dior campaigns globally or on the cover of magazines. And it was before the kind of global connectivity we have now. So I kind of was able to have a very, very normal real life Mm -hmm. as at the same time I was building this international career. And I think the the discipline that my parents um, definitely helped me kind of stay really balanced with, with focusing on academics and focusing on what matters. I mean, we still would have normal family dinners, and I would get in trouble if I like didn't uh, you know came home past curfew or I don't know. I, I I had like such a normal home life that I think that really was um, that balanced all of these amazing other things out. And I think my parents were always really they trusted me. I think that's one of the biggest things too. They knew that I was they, they, they trusted me to do the right thing. And they they that that freedom, there's a lot of there's a lot of, I don't know, responsibility I felt with that and gratitude to my parents because I didn't want to let them down. And so I think I never, I never wanted to, um, to, I don't know, to, to ruin that.
1: Betray that. Betray that. Yeah. So one of the reasons uh, I ask is I'm fascinated by people who have reached a pinnacle of success in any field Mm -hmm. who can remain grounded in any capacity, because it seems that whether it's alcohol, power, Yeah, money. Those are the three that come to mind. Sure. When you add those, any of those, uh, in quantity, people tend to become more of what they are. Right. So if they have a small flaw, Mm -hmm. it gets magnified. And Mm -hmm. if they're a small asshole, they become a really big asshole. And uh, there's there's real risk when pressure is added to the to the container. So I'm fascinated how people maintain perspective over time, uh, so that they don't become some abomination. Like Frankenstein's yeah. version of themselves. And and for instance, a friend of mine I've had on this podcast, Chris Saka, who have had the yeah, privilege of course. watching go from angel investor sort of fledgling VC to yeah. now, you know, Midas lists. Right. Arguably the uh, I don't even think it's arguable, is his lowercase one fund is I think gonna be the most successful venture capital fund in the history of venture capital. Oh, wow. So he's he's really reached a peak, and when I've dug in with him as to how he's maintained some perspective because he still ultimately is a very middle class kid who grew up in upstate New York Mm -hmm. trying to make ends meet. His parents had him do something called sweet and sour summers. So they would give him, (laughs) they would help him to find a job that would give him an opportunity to learn and interact with people who are maybe above his pay grade, above his parents' pay grade. But then they would also make him take some shitty job like hauling around
0: Oh, have of side. those I had yeah. plenty of those shitty jobs um, but uh, you know so I I had to the extent of the normal life that I this kind of double life that I had my normal life I really I, I can't stress it enough it was very normal like yeah. I um I, I mean I still had my like chores doing the dishes taking them out of the trash like every 15 year old didn't matter if I was on the cover of International vogues. Like I was still coming home and doing my homework and um, taking out the trash. Mm-hmm. Like, and also beyond just my parents, my sisters. I have three sisters that I'm really close with, and and some of my best friends, my my core group of girlfriends from from growing up that I've known since kindergarten, are still some of my best friends. Mm-hmm. And so I think there's this. I I, f- I feel really grateful that I've been able to to um, I don't know. Uh, keep my feet on the ground very much mm-hmm. so and also I have a lot of people around me who would bat me over the head and like <laughs> beat me up if I did it you know they, yeah. would, they, they wouldn't they would allow it they, mm-hmm. I don't know I, I yeah
1: yeah the, the support structures also the, people I might be asking Midwest. themselves like well okay you grew up that way fantastic I didn't grow up that way so it's not actionable. And what I would say is not true. Why would I explore this? It's because you can actually build in. It's like, all right, yeah. what is the version, if you are hoping to achieve a certain modicum of success, like yes. what are the chores that you can engineer into your life so that you maintain some perspective, right? There are ways yeah. to do it, right? Maybe it's volunteering once a week. And, uh, yes. and that helps you to not only hopefully ultimately achieve some success, but uh, to achieve also some contentment and life outside of focusing only on your personal success, right? And which is actually a segue of sorts to, I'm going to get there. I want, <laughs> I'm going to talk about coding very, very shortly, but I'm going to get there vis-a-vis books. So I want to ask about yeah. books. Because I had read, maybe true, maybe not, that you don't actually watch very much television. Uh, so I was like, all right, great. Well, let's talk about books then. Yeah. Are there any particular books that you have gifted the most to other people or reread Often so, yourself.
0: I love podcasts and I mm-hmm. love audiobooks. Um, I feel like I'm somebody who learns by by listening. I mm-hmm. retain information better, so I I do like TV, but I just don't have a ton of time for it. I feel yeah. like I'm constantly on the go, and so I'm listening to audiobooks whether I'm walking through airport security or in a cab mm-hmm. to the airport. And I love, um, uh, there's this book, The Four Agreements, yeah. that, that mm-hmm. I, I recently gave my sisters who are graduating from college. And I just think, I, I think it's got a lot of great um, principles and mm-hmm.
1: ideas. Are there any particular podcasts that, that, that are your go-to?
0: Um, I love, so I love learning about things. I love learning about entrepreneurs. I love learning about, like, I, I love listening to conversations i mean i guess that's one thing too that i feel like in my real life i get to ask mm-hmm. people i'm sitting here with you tim i mean <laughs> what a privilege that is uh <laughs> well, you, you're welcome to have. rescind
1: that comment later <laughs> no, it's, true. it's
0: true um but but i love listening to conversations i love i love mm-hmm. your work um i love guy how i built this mm-hmm. um i i love i love listening to conversations <laughs>
1: so the the four agreements just for for people who aren 't familiar has come up quite a few times in this podcast, and I also recently found out that that Tom Brady had been gifting this book a whole lot as well. Um, it has to company, catch you at the right yeah. time, I think mm-hmm. for it to be applicable but the 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 reason I brought up you 're going to say
0: no, I was just going to say you know i 'm twenty five mm-hmm. and i feel like it's to the point of the timing um because someone gave it to me for for my birthday and I I just think that it it really does come down to kind of this I think we're always evolving always growing and should be always learning at least I hope I am and there's it's really makes you focus inward and Mm -hmm. I think there's it doesn't matter how old or young you are I think there's that's something that I really value is, is growing as a human being. Um, and it certainly kind of helps, helps you think about ways to grow and focus as a human being.
1: So other ways to grow. We're going to get to it in two yeah. seconds. I brought up books because books involve uh, writing, sort of expressing thought, in some cases on paper, in some cases in audio. And there's a craft, there's a certain elegance to good writing. Yeah. And I have be, I've been fascinated by coding encoders for a very long time. Yeah. And the fact that you can have, say, a very, very good coder get more done than the next 10 uh, if he or she is just very, very elegant and can find non-obvious solutions in what they're trying to execute. Uh, and I've spent a very small amount of time uh, with, the, with a guy named Chad Fowler, actually, who who showed me many years ago the basics of Ruby. Yeah. It was just in one afternoon, but he used natural language yes. to help me get a grasp on it because he speaks Hindi, and I'm fascinated by different languages and was an East Asian Studies major, so I'm fascinated by writing systems in Japanese, Chinese, Korean, etc. And uh, so I wanted to ask you, of all the m- many, many things of the hundreds and thousands of things that you could do with your time, <laughs> right? how did you get exposed to coding? And and walk me through your yeah. first experience or experiences with that.
0: Well, I love the way that you, you explain it as language, and that's really what it is. And I think that, like any language, it's a medium that you can express yourself, that you can express creative ideas, and that is what I why I think it's so powerful? I, I got exposed to it because I'm just a super curious, like annoyingly curi- curious person. I ask a lot of questions and I love understanding how things work. I love understanding like how the world around me works and and how science and math can be ways to explain that. I, I, but I work in a really creative industry and and i I don't know. I, I guess I at a certain point um a couple of years ago, i wanted to understand what code was. It was a term that I kept hearing. What prompted
1: it? Was it a person, a conversation? Yeah,
0: I mean, I was meeting a lot of entrepreneurs. I was watching the entire world, especially fashion and and media be transformed by technology. And I was like, what is it that a handful of people who are engineers and building huge enterprise value, what is the secret language that that they know that the rest of us don't and code. And I was like, what is code and how can I learn it? So I took a boot camp. I took one, one week. And even in,
1: where, where was it in
0: New York at the Flatiron school, who
1: introduced you to that?
0: Um, this guy, Avi Flavbaum, and he's a great teacher and he started the school and he taught me Ruby similar exactly as you. So like, it's a very intuitive kind of language. And, and even in a short time I was able to kind of understand high level big principles and the fact that you can use code to you know write a line of code that performs a function and you can build you can build ideas using this language and that to me was just so mind-blowing to understand like how the tech that we touch every day how it works and to take it one step further but to actually be able to to write it yourself and to express Mm. your ideas um, and to be able to, I mean, you're a man of, you're so efficient, Tim. It's really inspiring. (laughs) You're so organized and so efficient.
1: I'm organized for maybe like two hours a day. So you're seeing my two hours.
0: You are. It's impressive. And I just think that like, even you can build tech to enable that Mm. and, and to scale that. And that's, what's so powerful is the ability to scale ideas or scale problem solving using code. And, and I think that there's, so much opportunity that has yet to really even be uh, built in this kind of intersection of kind of uh, many intersections of of kind of creative industries um, with from the perspective of someone writing code who has different life experiences or passions maybe than, um, than most engineers sitting in Silicon Valley today.
1: Mm-hmm. And st- and you take this class. Yeah. You learn the basics of Ruby Mm -hmm. with Avi. With Avi, all right. And how does that? What is Code with Classy?
0: So Code with Classy is the K, folks. It's with the K. K O D E -E. is my organization where we teach girls to learn how to code Mm -hmm. and empower the next generation of tech leaders. So we do that by running summer camps across the country, and we teach girls the ABCs. So Ruby, HTML, JavaScript, CSS, enough to be able to build something. So our camps are across the country, and they're two weeks long, and they're totally free. Mm. And we have these amazing girls who come into our, our, our camps and learn these skills, and it's amazing what they're able to build. And not only just the way that they're able to build their ideas but what they're passionate about so if it's like making social impact uh helping their community um but they they're able to build something and recognize the impact that they can have um and that's really empowering and that's that that for a girl who's kind of you know at that point in life where you're like figuring out what you think you can be or what you think you can't, like, that's really empowering.
1: Hmm. I need to learn to code. You
0: need to, le- I feel I like need you, to learn to code. You need to come it's, to our camp. It's
1: embarrassing that I've been in Silicon Valley, or, I mean, I'm no longer there. We're in Austin and I live here, but 17 years in Silicon Valley, and uh, I, th- I think I was too, I was worried that I wouldn't be good at it.
0: And that's, I had a I deep, I had a way. deep
1: insecurity that when I scratched the surface, I would see the infinite complexity of something that I could at best only be mediocre at. And so I stuck my head in the sand.
0: I disagree. I think that that's um. the bear, one of the barriers to entry. I think that's why a lot of people don't ever try. I mean, who, who am I? I'm like, I don't have a, I don't work in Silicon Valley. I don't, I didn't go to college. I, but I, I I'm curious and it's, it's something that can be learned. Like anything mm. else, it is a language. And I think that that a lot of people let that um, get in the way of taking the first yeah, step. Yeah,
1: you know, it strikes me too that I think perhaps in my mind I've, I've given myself an out, which is actually really flimsy. And that <laughs> is that I, it'll be too hard to learn to code. And in my mind, like learning to code is building, you know, the, <laughs> the next yes. super app to go uh, gain a hundred million users. Whereas in reality, I'll give you an an example from my own experience. And I have some, uh, some questions for you so I don't talk too much. This is what happens with too much caffeine, (laughs) but so I've always been very, very insecure about my voice.
0: Oh, and that's, that's
1: part of the reason why I wanted to do the podcast is to beat that out of myself or to get more comfortable with my voice. And uh, if, if anyone listens to my earlier episodes, say the introductions to my early, early, early episodes. And then later you will see the confidence build over time. I was really unsure of myself in the beginning. Uh, And I'm still unsure of myself in some ways, but I've always been fearful of singing, any type of singing. I would never do it.
0: Look, I'm right there with you. So
1: I've always had on my New Year's resolutions almost every year for the last six years, um, along those lines, voice lessons. Never did Mm. it until a few months ago. Just started and what I realized very quickly is that I don't have to become a good singer to get incredible value out of these voice lessons, because I've learned enough now. I've certainly improved, but I'm not ready for any uh, I any think opera. It, this
0: might be your debut.
1: You we know. will <laughs> see after the podcast. After the podcast, <laughs> uh, the, I won't. I won't impose that on anyone right now. It'll be it'll be very very harsh, but. When you learn the basics of any skill, and I already know this, so I don't know why I've been so blind to it with both singing and I think now coding, Yeah. even if you never do anything with it per se, suddenly you hear everything. In the case of voice, you listen to every song you hear differently. And so yes. your enjoyment of that and your appreciation of it is 10x. Yes. And I would imagine that when you learn the basics of coding, even if you don't use it to push you off into a different career – It gives you an entirely different lens through which you can look at everything that is being built and how things work. And that alone, it's like that alone, to have that gift to look through a different lens for the rest of your life, putting in a week or two, seems like a very potentially worthwhile use of time.
0: Absolutely. Uh, Tim, I mean, just on that point, it's like, you know, I think even... If you understand high level what how things are built, you can understand what is possible mm-hmm. and I think that that's what's really exciting, even just uh, f- for you know as an entrepreneur you don't have to I mean there's probably so many people that you've that you've sat with and and that you met in Silicon Valley that even even um, you know a friend of mine Kevin Sistrom it founded Instagram and mm-hmm. he or one of the co-founders of Instagram and he uh, he wrote lines of code early on and actually you know i think that was one of the aha moments i knew him as a friend and i was like wait kevin you actually know how to code you actually built lines of code to build this tool this platform that reaches so many people like it put a human element to it um, and and i think the idea of even learning a little bit of what code is and how it builds things it makes you realize what could be possible mm-hmm. and I think for people who want to build businesses you don't have to be the main engineer I think you but there is this kind of literacy um, that I think is important
1: mm-hmm. yeah it's the. I mean it, it certainly seems to be the new literacy and or one of the new forms of literacy that over time as soft rates the world to borrow Mark Andreessen's expression yeah uh, if you don't want to be displaced, if you want to be able to compete, you need to at least understand the ABCs. yeah, and uh, easy for me to say uh, with my platform and microphone and as someone who's being a bit hypocritical since I only did one afternoon of of Ruby with Charles. Oh,
0: until you come to my <laughs> until camp until I until but I come the, to your camp. The other thing is too, Tim, is that like I part of the reason why I wanted to take a a class beyond just wanting to understand how the world was being transformed by technology and what specifically, that meant, but I, it's like, because I was so intimidated by it, because I work in fashion, because I am not someone who maybe looks like the, the, the most, you know, most people in Silicon Valley or engineers, uh, I, I I don't know. I, I wanted like, there's something in me. I think that wanted to do what I think would be the hardest possible thing to do Mm -hmm. or like, I don't know. And not this had, this was not even about building an organization and helping other people do the same thing this was just for me selfishly i wanted to learn something really hard mm-hmm. and i think that there's probably a part of me that's like you know insecure you know speaking of about like the fact that i am uh, i know that i'm more than just what people see me on the outside and i think that using i think that insecurity probably has driven me to want to keep doing more mm-hmm. and and it just in I am just a really curious passionate person and and I think this like I've always been really interested in math and science and I don't know I think that that's partially why I tackled this challenge too initially it was like I want to learn what is going to be what do people really think is hard to learn I want to learn it
1: well let's so let's talk about a challenge for a second. Well, and, or more than a second. Yeah. And uh, I don't know the attribution of this quote I really like, which is everything you want is just outside of your comfort zone.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, I'm sometimes better at practicing that than at others. Uh, but I'd love to talk about discomfort for a second. Sure. Right? Because I think, people, I think people have, there are many misconceptions about anyone who has a lot of public exposure like yourself. So yeah. one might be ah, oh, she 's just a pretty face, right sure. which is not true. Sure. Uh, another might be oh, it 's all come very easily it's all been very easy it's just been home runs from day one, so what i'd love to ask you is, could you tell us about you can you can choose sure. uh we could talk about both like a dark slash hard time, what yeah. prompted it, and how you came out of it, or a failure." that looking back helped set the stage or teach you something that led to success later? And the more specific, the better. Because yeah. I want to humanize this a little bit for people who yeah. might feel like this is, that you're...
0: I think, you know, I mean, perfect. so many, far <laughs> from perfect. So far from perfect, it's like it, beyond. But for me, I, I think that there have been many failures along the way but also i am a really i am the toughest person on myself
1: and well, let, let's yeah let's talk, let's talk about let's talk about a specific one
0: i i mean there's so many moments i can just think about in my in my fashion career you know where i uh, d- didn't quite i mean it, it it's it's funny how you define like a failure or even like dark moments i think I've started, I have built my career over the past 10 years of my life and I was 15 years old when I started that. And I think there's just natural human growth that happens over those 10 years. That's really important. And no matter what you're doing, you, you like need to take those failures and challenge yourself to make yourself grow from them and be better. And for me, I think because I live in a more public a more public life, or aspects of my life, are more public. Those failures, or or dark, dark you know periods of of growing up, of coming into your own, of of growing into your own body, like that's even more um, criticized, or or you know more people have have can see it. And so I think for me, I definitely so many different periods in my life where like you know, being in the profession that I'm in, it's very focused on like the outside and your body. And as a teenage girl, like growing into your body, I mean, there's so many times I've gone into a fitting where the clothes don't fit. And that just has made me feel so shitty about myself. And it's not necessarily my fault. It's not necessarily the clothes fault. It's just, it's it's shitty. It makes you feel horrible. It's made me feel horrible about myself. And I think there was kind of this point progressively through my career that I was like, I am so much more than just like my measurements or my body. Uh, I I I have uh, so many ideas. I've got so much drive. I know that I have so much to give the world, and I really want to help other people. And I know that I'm not necessarily doing that, um, or or the the extent of my self worth or value cannot be just on. On, on fitting the clothes or not, and and I think that there was like a real shift in 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 me and just understanding like I don't know understanding um, how and and what to to do to keep growing.
1: So, are there any particular, uh, for instance, routines, habits? on a daily or weekly basis that help you to continue functioning at a high level or that just help you that you yeah. like like uh, what are some specifics my the listeners always love the specifics so are there any I particular
0: I love meditating um, you know okay. I think that how
1: do you how when how long do okay. you practice meditating
0: so I'm not as probably good or disciplined as many of your your listeners out there but whenever I can I mm-hmm. to the point of um,
1: do you use an app do you I use, use a
0: heads, I use Headspace I mm-hmm. learned TM Um, but I just do it whenever, wherever I can. So, you know, this morning, getting ready, I wake up, stretch, breathe, uh, put in, you know, 10 minutes of headspace, go to the gym or vice versa, work out and then meditate and then start my day. Mm -hmm. You know, I I really have learned how important it is to take care of myself mentally as Mm -hmm. well as physically Um, because I think, you know, part of being in just part of part of life is, uh, staying, you know, staying mentally healthy and balanced. And I think especially in an industry that, um, that there is so much volatility. I mean, to the point of models and turnover, uh, there's a lot of, there's a lot of failures daily of jobs you don't get or things that you're, I I have been, I've been told that I'm too tall, too short, too fat, too skinny, too to this to that everything. I mean it's like and and that is such a that if that doesn't mess with your head as yeah. a teenage girl growing up anyway, then then I mean come on. So again for me, you know, having an amazing support group around me, having like really mm-hmm. my family, my friends like and then having outlets that fill my cup. So for me investing in my learning sincerely is something I love. I love learning new things. I love mm-hmm. learning from people. I love experiencing new things. Um, and I love helping people, not for the sake of like any reason other than just, I love sharing, um, opportunities for other people to, to better themselves, their lives too. Well,
1: let's talk about one outlet slash maybe stress release valve, which is the, the exercise, yes. right? So what is, what is your, what is your morning? What is a sample morning exercise routine look like? Totally. Very specifically. And how, how long does it take? Like what, what exercises are you doing?
0: Okay. So I I grew up playing every sport, doing ballet every day. I grew up super, super active and I live a really busy life today and I'm on a plane all the time. I mean, you, you know, it's not easy to fit it in, but for me, I make sure that I fit in like a combination of cardio and a combination of strength training. So, okay. I feel best when I'm strong, not skinny, and So I tell like, tell us about a recent so, workout. So, this morning, woke up, meditated, and worked out for 45 minutes, all I had time for, and, and
1: I Did you have breakfast before you worked after, out? After. After, okay. after
0: I worked out. And um a combination of running, biking, and some light weights mm-hmm. and just I kind of do whatever I can whenever I can. So, like, if I'm, in, if I'm in the south of France on a photo shoot, I'll go for a run and a swim. If I'm here in Austin, I'll go for a run across that cool bridge and, like, mm-hmm. go tour around.
1: Whatever's available. Whatever's available. For strength training, if you had to pick only a handful of exercises that you could... Uh, That that seem to get you the most bang for the buck. Mm -hmm. What would they? What would they be? What comes to mind? I hate
0: burpees so much. I hate them so much. You hate them, but it's a love hate. It's a love hate because I just like I hate them so much that I just know they're probably good for me. (laughs) Burpees, um, things that you can do anywhere. So Mm -hmm. like planking, you know, planking or or exercises um, like things that I do in my hotel room. Like Mm -hmm. if I don't have time to go down to the gym. So, just simple things like um like sit ups push ups um dips um uh all sorts of portable really yeah boring things like that
1: uh yeah I mean boring but effective <laughs> i mean and I wanted to get into specifics because I'm always curious uh when I meet someone who travels as much as you do Mm -hmm. it makes it very clear that the uh, i haven't been able to work out because i'm traveling excuse is utter bullshit and i'm always curious how people make do right so i've talked to triple h otherwise known as paul levesque uh fascinating guy and he'll use stationary bike for or elliptical for say 10, even 10 15 minutes when he first arrives anywhere after yes. shifting time zones and it seems to fix fixed jet lag for him.
0: Same. Danzig
1: when they were traveling around touring the, one of the very first things they would do is they'd choose a hotel based on the gym that was available.
0: Oh, 100%. Right?
1: And it's like Bruce Lee would always travel with his with his running shoes because he knew he knew no matter what if other things weren't available he could run. So and it just goes on and on and on. I travel with uh a number of different bands as well as an inflatable ball and it's incredible what you can do uh, particularly if you learn calisthenic exercises like mm-hmm. burpees or pistols, which are one-legged squats, mm-hmm. you can get a brutal workout in your mm-hmm. own hotel room or Jocko Willink is a retired Navy SEAL commander. He'll travel with, or he will to necessarily travel with, but he'll, if he wants to do pull-ups and he can't find a place to do pull-ups, he'll grab one of the towels from his room in the yes. hotel, go find the parking structure and throw it over a bar and do pull-ups with the towels. So it's like there's, Two observations that I make. Number one, there's always a way. But secondly, that the the most the highest there's high, always a way, way in the highest functioning, seemingly busiest people I've met almost all make a point to move on a daily basis in some fashion.
0: It's so important for me in my life. It's it's crucial. Forget even about how it you know how it makes you look, but how it makes you feel and just your for me brain mental emotional balance i think and and focus and clarity it's like you can't i can't start my day without doing something and and to the point of whatever it is um you know i in my suitcase always have my running shoes always have always have bands always have ankle weights which mm. is really funny when i'm going through airport security and i've got like two ankle weights <laughs> that look like bombs and yeah. you know yeah. they're like lead ankle weights and, and i get stopped every time and Get
1: you know questioned ankle ankle weights and podcast gear. Weight, it's like oh God. a bunch of batteries and cables. Yes, yeah, we need to talk to you.
0: We're high risk, Mr. Uh, American
1: History X. For those of you who don't know, I, I'm very very bald uh, and have sort of a rest, wrestlery look to me. Uh, Not now. So let's let's chat about investing, and by investing I mean investment of time energy, uh, maybe in a particular relationship, I'm going to, I'm going to say you can't answer with your family. Yeah. All right. So I'm going to roll them out, but what would you consider one of the best investments you've ever made? And that, that could be, for instance, uh, Amelia Boone has been on the podcast, four-time world champion in obstacle course racing for her at the time. She was, and still is a lawyer, but it was the first $450 entry fee for the, the first, I think it was World's Toughest mother, which she ended up winning, mm-hmm. which opened up this entirely new career, right? It doesn't yeah. have to be something like that. But uh, you know, in my case, it could potentially be the idea to put in the time to do a six-episode test for the podcast. Yeah. Like, holy shit. You know, that was just yeah. supposed to be a side gig because I was too burned out writing books, now it turned into a whole thing. Uh, what comes to mind for you when you think about some of the best investments of time, energy, money, or decisions?
0: So a number of things. One... The first pair of high heels that I ever owned were $20 high heels from Target mm-hmm. that I learned how to quote-unquote walk. Mm-hmm. And that I those came in very handy when I started my fashion career. And I, with my first paycheck ever, bought a red KitchenAid mixer that still sits on my counter to this day. And thousands of cookies have been made from that little mixer. And I got the idea of, of starting a, a vegan cookie charity uh, project from my passion for baking, and and that that led on to, um, to to a whole fun project. And
1: take take a few sentences just to explain what that is.
0: So that's really just what it sounds like. It's a charity project focused on um, donating school lunches to kids through selling cookies, which I love to. I love to eat cookies. I love to make cookies, and I wanted to kind of have a bake sale mm-hmm. of sorts. Do you have and any so
1: partners? And in-
0: we partnered with Momofuku Milk Bar. Yeah, for those who
1: don't know that, look it up.
0: I look it up. Must must visit when you're in New York. And and we made cookies and we donated over a million school lunches from, of from the sales of these cookies. Mm-hmm. And that was just this kind of first project where I was. It was really my idea and my, and this something that I built and used my, my voice to Mm -hmm. build a, take an idea and actually bake a cookie and bake a, a, an impact Mm -hmm. into that product. So we
1: got the, we got the heels, which if you you can't walk in those, you're going to (laughs) have issues as a, as a female in fashion, the KitchenAid mixer. So KitchenAid, if you're listening, Mm -hmm. I think I'm sure Carly has very reasonable endorsement rates so you can reach out. (laughs) Uh,
0: and, and investing else? in time, you know, honestly, two things. One, I, I applied back to NYU because I love learning and I wanted to be back in an environment where I could keep growing and learning, and that was at 20 years old. That was mm-hmm. after five years already of of working full time, and so I invested back in. Being a student, and and I and that also led me to taking a coding class, and that led me to starting Code with Classy. And
1: what did you go in to learn?
0: I wanted to learn anything, everything. I have so many things that I, I so, love. so.
1: question. I want to I because I know
0: you're really a curious person. I too, am, so but I feel like
1: but I want to I want to dig into the motivation for one second. Yeah. So I have some friends, very very smart very accomplished who either didn't ever go to college or dropped out of college mm-hmm. and some of them for for some of them going back and getting the diploma was just a and this is not a bad motivation at all but they had carried some type of uh, like defensiveness and insecurity about having not gone mm-hmm. and to college and finished Was that any piece of it? A hundred
0: percent. I was planning on becoming a physician, a doctor, emergency room doctor, something like my dad. And so I, oh, or go to business school or go to some, I always planned on having a a very, um, at least getting a college degree. And so I think there's an element of, um, of wanting to kind of, keep learning more, keep doing more, not for the sake of getting the degree, but for Mm -hmm. the sake of being in an environment where I can keep expanding my horizons. Mm -hmm. And I think the thing is, is like, I, and I, I have that through my job as well. There's so many ways that I'm able to learn just by traveling and meeting people. And, and I, and I feel like everybody has that. It's not just I mean, I am a unique situation. I get to travel to crazy places. But I, but I think just it's kind of a, a mindset, a mentality, a perspective mm. of just keeping your eyes and ears open.
1: Do you I, have any favorite classes or professors besides the coding? Anything come to mind?
0: Uh, I took a feminism class at NYU, which was really fascinating for understanding the diff- the history, the, the history of feminism, academic Perspectives, the different waves of feminism, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of a lot of academic reading around the topic mm. beyond just kind of rah rah girl power.
1: Mm-hmm. All right, so you mentioned a number of things. You mentioned is are there any purchases say in recent memory? This is one of my rapid fire mm-hmm. questions, so I know it's a bit of an awkward transition from feminism. So I apologize to people for that. But are are there any particular purchases? That have had a very positive impact on your life, ideally of the say less than a hundred or less than a thousand dollar variety
0: mm. I love journaling on the, on the airplanes i I sit for you know especially that flight back to St. Louis is only two hours, so it 's like two hours of uninterrupted time and and every airplane that i 'm sitting on, I always journal and brain dump ideas, mm-hmm. grocery lists. Um, I, I've had, it's really pretty remarkable looking back at those journals and thinking um, how much of the things that I listed out of dreams and goals that I've been able to tick off and accomplish. Mm-hmm. And I think that an investment of, of a journal, a great moleskin, certainly has been worthwhile um, and really just something that, um, I think is a great exercise. Hmm. And, um, I really love like, actually, like I said, taking care of myself and my mind and body. And, um, so like I always have all these in my suitcase, I've got all these crazy supplements, like moon, moon juice dusts. They have like brain dust and beauty dust. And it's like crazy potions of like ashwagandha and gr- things that I like, I'm a total sucker and believer that like, yeah. I, that um, that so I travel with all these potions in my suitcase, <laughs> along with my bands and ankle weights.
1: When you use the notebooks, mm-hmm. uh, do you? What does a page look like, and how do you follow up? So, it, it, what yeah. I'm curious to know is how you how things make it from the page into reality. Right? Do you go back and figure out what next steps are? Do you write down next steps in a particular way? Uh, and people have so many different ways of approaching this. I mean, in, in my case, in my journal, I wish I wish I had it right here, but I I always make a little box in the bottom right hand corner, mm-hmm. and that's for next steps based on anything on that page. Smart. And so every bottom right hand corner has next steps. And then I'll go through and I'll be like, ah, eh, all right, that was a stupid idea, or like, ah, eh, that's not for now. And I'll just highlight. I'll do a second pass and then highlight the kind of dominoes that I think will topple as many other dominoes as possible, but. How, when you brained up or when you put these things on on paper, like walk us through
0: what that Next looks steps. like. Yeah, I' there's also this app that's called Wonderlist. That's yeah. great, and for for actually having a more digital version of those lists, and then also things like Slack are great too. Um, the the notebook is more just like my real personal kind of deepest darkest. Uh, thoughts and and but, and ideas and goals and like nobody's judging. Mm-hmm. Hopefully nobody's reading them. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but but I think the 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 organization. Uh, you know, I mean, I love this is the way your brain works. I think my brain is not the most organized. I have uh, I have a lot of ideas, and I think it's actually taken a lot of discipline to to f- kind of keep everything moving forward mm-hmm. and to. I I definitely think it's like going through those lists and following up with the people that that I need to continue the conversation with. Or um, I've got an amazing team. I've got a great partner who is building is helping me build Codis Clossy, building all Who's my businesses. That? Her name's Penny Thau. Mm-hmm. She's amazing, and uh, I I feel like it's a really collaborative th- process. Taking those lists and actually make turning them into action is is more the working with my team mm-hmm. um, to to bring them to life.
1: Mm-hmm. One, one thing I've noticed, and tell me if this is off base or not, but in doing a lot of homework on you, putting together oh. the dossier.
0: I know, first of all, I need to send cookies to your friend, the crazy...
1: What's oh, the Crazy Bulgarian. I'm Bulgarian. Oh, my God. <laughs> crazy Bulgarian, I know you're listening. You're in luck. Thank you, do, you, you, you need some cookies. Uh, don't forget me. I could use some cookies, yes. too. I'll say it's Done. for my cheat day, but I might actually break that rule. Uh, yeah, 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 I have to be careful around cookies. One of those. Very little portion control when it comes to cookies. I It hear turns you. out. But uh,
0: I'll send you healthy ones.
1: The, also send me the unhealthy ones. <laughs> you can address them to somebody else, and then I'll just eat them anyway. Okay, uh, the... The pattern that seemed to pop up was, and I think this actually makes you a lot smarter than I am in uh, some really deep ways, is when I go through my notebook and I write down what needs to be done next, like what do I need to do next? And it seems like as I've looked through a lot of your history, Mm -hmm. you are much better at doing one thing that's really important that I need to improve upon. And that is not asking what do I need to do next necessarily, but who do I need to talk to next? Mm. And whether it's Kevin Systrom or say Casey Neistat, who's also Mm. been on the podcast, related to vlogging, uh, i've had a lot of trouble it doesn't even occur to me to ask for help, not because I think I have all the answers, but i don't want to burden people with that or there's right. some weird baggage that I carry, which is why Amanda Palmer, at one point, the musician yeah. really is and her book has really helped me to learn how to ask for for help but uh is that accurate am i all
0: hundred uh, percent oh yeah. my gosh I mean again i'm somebody who didn't get a, a college degree, a business school degree, and i 'm trying to build businesses and, and a nonprofit and scale scale that impact and and grow my team and be a boss. I mean there's so many things that I I'm learning as I go. And mm. I think that what I have what I really value is the people that that I can lean on as mentors or advisors in figuring it out. And I think that that's a really important thing that I've that I have uh, that I also kind of had this awakening where where I was like I am in the room with extraordinary people, and I'm being afforded that opportunity because of my my job my day job being a model working on big advertising jobs working in an industry with a lot of creatives like how can I actually best use that to accomplish what what I what I really dream of what my biggest goals and ambitions are and and I think a lot of people sometimes are afraid to ask for help um, Mm -hmm. or, and I definitely have, uh, I ask, I ask ask for help. help. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I don't know what my problem is with that. I mean, I've, I've gotten better, but I, I, it's one of these self-defeating habits of isolating myself. That is kind of a, it's like, it's a default that I need to continually work on. I get better for periods and then I'm like, ah, no, I need to figure this out. I should be able to figure this out and like sit down with my notebook not always the ideal tool of choice. So I need to revisit. Amanda, I need your help. I'll reread re- your book. Uh, if, if you look at the last handful of years, uh, are there any particular habits, beliefs, tools that have had a tremendously positive impact on your life besides things we mentioned already? Yeah. So it can't be, say, meditation or headspace or one yeah. of these.
0: You know, I think, just learning by doing um i for a long time you know over the past years i find it so interesting to just see how much the whole world has changed in so many ways you know you, you mentioned Casey Neistat i had a conversation with him a number of years ago where i
1: uh, <laughs> if you want to talk about busy
0: <laughs> yeah talk about busy talk about wake look, up at, look up Casey Neistat he's he's amazing um and he really helped me realize that I could not just be a canvas for creators, but I could be a creator myself. And and I think there was kind of this overall shift in fa- certainly in fashion, in social media, enabling a platform and a uh, and a voice for everyone. Um, doesn't matter if you are the model, your voice is is can be heard in the same way the brand or designers can. And and that extends for everyone, and, and that's beyond just fashion. But there was this kind of shift in my own perspective of realizing that my ideas had value and that I could be a creator um, and share what I was experiencing and learning and doing uh, beyond just what was translated by somebody else or I could be, I could be heard. I could be. What am I saying? I didn't have to just be seen, but I could also be heard. Yeah. And I think that there was something really empowering in that, and that's been a kind of a collective shift over the years. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think this kind of democratization of of ideas and of voices and and the this kind of instead of just a handful of of people in power at the top, like everybody has the opportunity to to build something to yeah. with their ideas and and that's to the point of like code being this ability to actually act, actualize that to to realize that to to have ideas that uh, whether it's a problem you're facing or a, a an idea for an for a company or an idea for making impact i mean being able to actually build that even if you're a 15 year old girl mm-hmm. um, I, I just I think that there's something so exciting about like th- there being no rules mm-hmm. and I feel like a lot of the rules that uh, maybe existed in the world or, or in the industry uh, that that I work in ten years ago are no longer the case and um, I, I think it's exciting to see what what is ahead of us. That's
1: exciting. Yeah, I mean, there's certainly still top-down power, and there are certain things that require political relationships and so on, but more and more so, the ability to develop bottoms-up power is is available to anyone who is willing to learn and compete. Yes. That's the good news. The bad news, potentially, is you better fucking compete, because guess what? When there are, say, three to four billion additional people coming online in the next handful of years right you have to compete against everybody it's and i think that's a very good thing Uh, but it also means you can learn from everybody and that information is available so so uh just a few more questions billboard you've probably heard this question before because i like to ask it but if you could put a few words, a word, a quote, anything on a billboard can't be an advertisement mm. to get a message out to millions or billions of people, metaphorically speaking. Yeah. What might you put on that billboard?
0: Hmm. I feel like that's so that there are so many things that I probably should be putting on that billboard. Um, but one thing that my dad always used to really hammer home to me and my sisters is like, we would come home from school and, and if one of us got a bad grade or something, he would say like, did you give it your best? Like only you actually really Mm. know, like, did you give it your best? Did you study the best you could? Did you go in there like as focused as possible Did you give it your best? And, and, and I, and I think that there's something really like important to always just keep in mind is like give it your absolute best and also be present. I think that's the other thing too. Um, those are two things that I, that I always kind of think about to myself. Like, am I doing my absolute best? Yes. Then like cut myself a break. Like mm-hmm. even if I can't compare myself to anyone else cause my best, uh, only I know what that actually is. And, and I think being present is in a really important, mm-hmm. um, exercise always.
1: Did you give it your best? That's a really important question. Yeah. I feel like you are giving it your best, at least from the outside looking in. Uh,
0: Definitely trying the best I can. I mean, yeah. I certainly don't have all the answers. I think that's one thing too, is I'm 25 years old and like all of my, I'm far from perfect, and, and but I've sincerely just given it my best every step of the way and taken opportunities that I've been able to have and and make the most of them, learn from them, keep growing never kind of being satisfying or staying complacent and then also thinking about how I can help others along the way.
1: So you have a very exciting year ahead of you as I'm sure will be many, many years of excitement ahead of you. you. Uh, I'm always super eager to support anything related to enabling through education. I mean, that's been a real focus of mine with a number of different organizations over the last 10 years or so. Uh, What closing comments might you have and ask of the audience, suggestion of the audience, certainly if they can learn more about how to code or share that with girls or people who may want to attend one of your camps. What, What would you like to share, ask of, or recommend to the audience?
0: Well, you have an incredible audience, and anyone out there listening, I ask just... If you know any young women between the ages of 13 and 18 who you think would benefit from learning to code or would be interested, uh, send them to com to apply for our free camps. We're going to have a 1,000 spots. This is a really, really big summer of growth for us. How Uh, long are the camps? The camps are two weeks long, 9 to 5, Monday through Friday, and they are action-packed. There's so much that girls do over the course of these two weeks and we are growing to 50 camps in 25 cities across the country so it's a big summer for us and we want to we want to get as many amazing young women in these in these classes and 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 in these camps so send them to code with classy.com to apply
1: code with com. k-o-d-e with hopefully you guys can spell that k-l-o-s-s-y.com what was the age range again 13 to 18. 13 to 18. So think think about this for a second, folks. Q may say, I don't know any 13 to 18 year old girls. All right. Uh, do you have any daughters? Do your friends have any daughters? Are you a teacher with uh, female students who might benefit from this? Consider it. This is, in many, many respects, the new literacy. And I'm going to get off my lazy ass (laughs) and stop procrastinating and and actually (laughs) give it a shot. Yeah, talk about where's Waldo. That'd be easy to pick out. Uh, (laughs) Who's the bald, shiny gnome among the 12 to 18 year old girls? Oh, why is Tim Ferriss here? You're the only Uh, boy we'll let in. (laughs) (laughs) So, codeuthclossy.com. People can find you everywhere, of course. Carly uh, Kloss, at Carly Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. If you had, is, is there any one of those three that you would prioritize?
0: For applying or for,
1: uh, not just for people who want to. Uh,
0: I, I love Instagram. I, that's my first to go makes, That sounds like a native
1: yeah. environment for you. So Instagram at Carly Claus, Code with Klossy is at Code with Klossy on all the socials and com. Thank you so much for taking the time today.
0: Thank you, Tim. This was
1: really fun. Yeah. And uh, for people listening, as always, i will have links to everything we've discussed, including the websites, social, books, et cetera, in the show notes, tim.blog forward slash podcast. And until next time, thank you for listening. And. the coolest things I've found or that I've been pondering over the week. That could include favorite new albums that I've discovered. It could include gizmos and gadgets and all sorts of weird shit that I've somehow dug up This episode is brought to you by FreshBooks. Man, oh man, do a lot of listeners of this podcast and readers of mine love FreshBooks to the extent that I ended up meeting with the CEO not very long ago. Why are they so popular? Well, they are the number one cloud accounting software designed exclusively for self-employed professionals. That's many of you. And used by more than 10 million people. You can send invoices, track your time, and get paid very, very quickly, which suits the needs of a lot of freelancers, a lot of entrepreneurs, ...and beyond. You can take pictures of receipts. You can link your credit card and debit card. So all the things you buy automatically appear... ...in your FreshBooks in the right category. So on and so forth. Makes taxes easy, makes invoices easy, makes your life easier. And also, in fact, I'd recommend a PDF. Uh, They didn't ask me to read this part, by the way. They put together a PDF a while back uh, called Breaking the Time Barrier, subtitle, How to Unlock Your True Earning Potential. So you can search for Breaking the Time Barrier. A lot of people ask me, how can I get a four-hour work week with a service business? And the story in that Ebook, it's PDF, is the short answer. It's really, really good. So I think you should also check that out. So Breaking the Time Barrier, check it out. But also, why not test out FreshBooks? Claim your 30-day unrestricted free trial at freshbooks.com forward slash Tim and enter Tim Ferris, two R's and two S's in the How Did You Hear About Us section. That sounds <laughs> like we're going to get very little tracking. That's a lot of work. But just go to freshbooks.com forward slash Tim and try it out because it is a very good product and I think you will find it simplifies your life enjoy this episode is brought to you by 99designs whether you need a logo custom website app book cover or anything else 99designs was created to make great design accessible to everyone that's you and to make the process as easy as possible. I've used 99designs for years now. I've used them for book covers, some mock-ups for The 4-Hour Body, which went on to become a number one New York Times bestseller, illustrations of all different types for the multi-volume The Tau of Seneca, which you can check out, and other graphic design projects for a long time now. And I've been very impressed by the quality of their designers and illustrators. And you don't have to take my word for it. You should check out some of my projects at 99designs.com forward slash Tim. I really encourage you to take a look because you will be impressed, 99designs.com forward slash Tim. 99designs has freelance experts in more than 90 design categories, and their platform lets you work directly with one designer that you choose if you like their stuff, which is what I did for the Town of Seneca, or you can get concepts from multiple designers and then pick your favorite. So whether you're starting a business or just looking for extra design help, resources, etc., 99designs has a solution. Right now, you guys, my listeners, can receive a free $99 upgrade on your first design to check out your first free upgrade please visit 99designs.com forward slash tim and click the link on the landing page you can also find there samples of projects from you guys listeners who have used 99designs for logos apps even product packaging so check it out 99designs.com forward slash tim